We can actually start from like the very beginning. I mean, with the Song of Birds, I think the very first ones really hit the most because they were also like this beginning of getting into. Mm -hmm. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Uh, Song of the Birds, that's the one that's in Gaza, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Just this whole idea of, of. Yeah, I mean, after that, I just kept listening to birds. Just to also mm -hmm. like kind of test out if I was also in a simulation and just this whole. And I also read the article that was attached to it. Mm -hmm. The references, because yeah. it ended with this um, just the oh. number of suicides in Gaza. So, yeah, so just the increasing numbers of suicide in Gaza because of the, uh, yeah, just the situation they're living in. Yeah. So it was very, it was very hard, like, just to also relate that type of fiction to, to actual reality, I guess. I was also, like, while I was reading it, I don't know, like, I finished it on a very different thought because I didn't finish it with thinking about the the simulation itself but more this whole like like colonization of the mind that they're no longer able to see through it and that they're that they see this kind of like image that they th that they're kind of supposed to accept as a as a good reality and then like slowly seeing through it I think no, like should we should we maybe summarize like the stories real quick before like because yeah. i know yeah yeah two people haven't read so far okay yeah so basically song of the birds is uh, based in gaza and it talks about the su like uh this continuous suicide increasing suicide amongst young people because they basically initiated by israel as far as i remember to convince them that Palestine has been liberated, but in fact, it, they were just living in a simulation and yeah. the real world is still, Palestine is still occupied, people are still dying, but people have not been seeing that because they're stuck in the simulation of this free Palestine, in a sense. So people have been killing themselves to go back to this reality. And uh, the really important thing about the simulation is that it's built out of like um an extraction of the memory like of all the palestinians there so they kind of created a created the simulation based on the thoughts and memories of all those who are in it yeah it's very harsh i think a lot of these stories for me were so like dissociating in a sense where you know, they felt almost like so real. Like, I just felt like this could be happening and you almost lose your place. Like, is this happening? Are we, or, or like, I was really excited about um, the one later on where, um, I don't remember which title, but with the two alternate universes on the same oh. land. Mm -hmm. um, that was like, very exciting you know it's like emotional to to read about this and in this futuristic way because it's you know um i think a lot of us probably can agree that we read a lot of about palestine but it only in you know historical and facts and like everything real and concrete and then 
to read something so fiction felt like I was still getting this like these facts even though it was mm-hmm. like, not it was it just yeah it felt like yeah which is so very close. interesting because they do or like in the introduction even of the book it already says something about like Palestinians always writing their their present through the past so that even in science fiction like it's a reminder that it's impossible to write the future even not only the present without the past yeah yeah i think that holds very true to a lot of us like to all of us just who would i be if it weren't for all of these this burden that i have to carry um ever since i'm i'm born i guess mm-hmm. that was yeah but that's also that's so interesting because then you also like you start thinking about who actually controls like what memories are left out and then yeah because that's also what i was thinking with a lot of these stories actually not just the first with the simulation but like how how do you balance or how do you create something that's flawed enough to seem real to all of the people but something that's still controllable in these futures. You're also saying something about colonization of the mind? Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, because, um, like, harnessing the collective memory really reminded me of, what was it? I think it was Napoleon and his troops who went to Egypt and actually started creating these huge catalogs of, like, like, first, like, biological facts and then things that they found and everything that they heard and like just cataloging everything and it really reminded me of this because then you like when once you have a grasp of all the of all the history sort of that you collect and put together and then you can also try to like you have better opportunities to create the present or the future because you can already like i mean normally because when you live there when you live in a place you don't have everything cataloged and i think that's what makes it special because you don't have the overview you just have your own life or experience yeah also the the right to digital return was so interesting i think oh was it the one where they turned everything were they hacked into the whole system or no no that's that's oh, that the song the... that's song of the birds still okay but they kind of altered the right of return mm-hmm. and they made a digital which is very because it makes you think like about the possibilities and also the space that we have digitally now that would make digital return valuable actually because you have to think what happened before that digital return was necessary yeah i think that's really interesting especially with everything that's happening right now with Mm -hmm. you know us all being you know mainly at home and kind of uh, um, communicating online and just thinking about how like that's not even that's not that's not so far-fetched you know like I could, I could see someone kind of creating that today in a weird way, and just like this online rate of return. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. I mean, it it does in a way. Like the 
the PIPD, I think, with their Palestine VR, in a way, like they they also market as like market it as this like digital return for the elderly, for example, or yeah. actually like visiting Gaza for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that one's very. It's very odd because now it's like it's something that you can actually pay attention to to what happens now that we're all at home and that we're all like in the digital yeah. space. And then after also maybe there will be studies on like who actually had access during this time to to digital formats because I mean of course not everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of our public libraries are closed right now, and so many people that came in and used those spaces on a daily basis, they don't have access to that anymore. And it's just, yeah, it's really scary to think about, like, a lot of people who just lost that and how we can, I don't know. Because it's also, I know from, like, in Berlin, especially for, for diasporic communities, also, like, Arab and Turkish communities that are often marginalized, a lot of them meet up there to study and to also socialize. And it's, in a way, like, it's a very safe space. And then digitally... You may be in a safe space digitally, but where are you like, like, where are you physically? Is it a safe yeah. space still? And is anyone observing your digital like habits? Presence, yeah. Should we go to the next one? The, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the next story is Sleep It Off, Dr. Schott. Or Scott, I'm not sure. Could be American, could be. European. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What, what did you think about this story? Um, I like the layout of this conversation. It took me a minute to kind of understand, like, what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to feel like I was kind of listening in. Um, there were a couple moments where I felt uncomfortable with the way the doctor was acting. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. Yeah. Um, so basically, it was a future like a future vision of Gaza where there's like different zones kind of and there's this city that's shut off to the rest of the world and that's kind of the protected zone I'd say um yeah and then there's uh, there's two doctors working together one who was Jewish, Israeli, and a Palestinian from Gaza, right? Yeah. And then there is, what is the protagonist called again? Oh, yeah, Leila Watan. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, which for the, for the ones who don't speak Arabic means like uh, Leila and then the homeland is her like homeland is her last name and yeah so she's kind of she's the one responsible for monitoring 
and she kind of observes yes. how these two interact to to control how yeah how the israelis and the palestinians interact and also keep a distance between them they could go off or something if they talked too personal or something yeah um or if their blood pressure or i can't remember exactly mm. that was really interesting so that's an experiment the story is about or, or or what is that because you said um she's monitoring no, it's it's more like a, a Stasi kind of thing, where they okay. where they really like always send people after with listening devices and recording devices, um, to create profiles on the people. But do we know where, uh, where what organization or institution she is from, this Lila, or is that not mentioned? No, I think she's she's from the government, right? It says. They're recording this in the security bunker, secular scientific enclave, Gaza. Yeah. Uh, okay. So basically, the I think the secular scientific enclave, that's the city that they're all in, right? Yeah, they say the enclave. So that's like the the safe place within Gaza. And then. Yeah, so the rest is very different. And then there's, on the other hand, outside Gaza, there is the pure state. Um, and I think the pure state, as far as I remembered, became a pure state of Jewish Israelis. I don't know, I don't remember that part as well. I mean, my overall understanding of the whole thing is that there's this huge human threat, like, on humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think this whole security enclave was to assure that both of these, because they're both doctors, and, yeah. like, they're trying to figure out a solution together. But this whole monitoring thing is to make sure that nothing else happens between the two. Mm. Yeah. But they also generally, they heavily police social interaction because then here there is one part where Laila, the one monitoring, reveals what she reported about them. And it says, um, like the desire for unwanted contact with a female member of his team, alcoholism, um, continued attempts to contact a citizen of the enemy state because the the Jewish Israeli doctor became part of the enclave and the enclave is I think an enemy state of the pure state on the other hand where his daughter still lives and the daughter was also she was kind of, I think a pole dancer or something was revealed um, and then the racist language and use of derogatory slurs which goes in both directions because I think she reported both the the term that he called or that he actually mentioned the word because it's not only about calling someone that but like using the word like goy for example or what was it here yeah I think they they accused his wife of being of like 
having a sexual relation with a Muslim, which goes against the rules of the pure state, and she got deported. No, no, something else, I think. Oh, it's been so long. Yeah, we all just get mixed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think to me, just the overall thing was this this common threat and just having to work together in a type of bunker. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, it was like this, like, deep into, like, a chapter of, like, yeah, like, like, Layla was like a fly on the wall. It didn't seem like they knew that she was there at first. And mm -hmm. then, and yeah, because they got caught off guard, yeah. Yeah. At the, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, she only did it also because um, she got approached while she was, what was it? Yeah, she was blackmailed because yeah. it's basically like everyone surveilled and she was seen with, I think, having not having sex exactly with someone, but she had like some type of relation with someone and they basically blackmailed her blackmailed yeah. her into the recording. No, I think actually like she told him here uh, on page 37, um, she told him to go away and he pressured her and they still used it because uh, oh, yeah. it would still be identified as a relation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, they, they hear. I think this one is very interesting from the digital perspective. Because she tells both of them that if she didn't, like, respond to the General Assembly here, they would put the hologram of the scene over her parents' home. So, like, that would be, I don't know, some sort of social death wish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they're like your key role as a recorder will be to analyze the nature of the relations between the man and the woman and to identify the possible existence of unprofessional conduct. Yeah. Mm. And um, is, it, is it a problem because um, one of them is uh, Jewish or Israeli and the other is uh, Palestinian, or is it generally forbidden uh, for women and men to interact or to meet or to? Does it say something here? But I understood it. It's actually generally forbidden because, okay. yeah. Yeah. I think on the one hand, it's generally. On the other hand, they're accusing her of having like too close relations with someone from the enemy state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, ah, but it says here in the end that the enclave is set up on this publicized idea of non-discrimination. Um, so on the one hand, it is that, but on the other hand, they police the language so heavily that even when they're paraphrasing something, um, it ends up negative for them, even if it's mm -hmm. not their position. Yeah. 
think for me that one it was an interesting story but it was very direct in a lot of ways yeah yeah i mean yeah it's it's conversational and just just having to to read through this relationship between the two doctors it got very touchy and everything yeah but i think it's just this moment where you don't really realize that it, it ends because it ends with who is this who, what are you doing why is this woman in the corridor mm -hmm. and give me that which is the recorder so even though you knew it was a recording it was still or at least for me it was still like oh shit that they were being recorded because i didn't even realize there were like three characters until yeah. um yeah okay yeah, yeah, because like, she kind of, it goes back and forth a lot. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Noelle, I interrupted you. I was just, yeah, no, I was saying, yeah, the just the last line is end of recording. So it's, yeah, the whole thing is just like this kind of, it's interesting. It just kind of comes back and it's like, we're just listening to something. It was, yeah, it yeah. was almost where are we in the settings because we think, yeah, we think for a second that we're kind of in this space with them, but then kind of at the end, we're kind of just like observing it after it happened. Yeah, yeah. Which is also very interesting because even like, even when they stop the recording, because she explains to them what can be read into the conversation, you already see that there's enough on them, like enough evidence. Mm, that's really hard them too. Yeah. 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 Should we go to the next? Mm -hmm. So the next I have to say, I can't really summarize because I was, it took me a long time to even understand the beginnings of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it's basically just like, yeah, like I, from what I understood it was the weather changed, everything, everything changed and everyone is basically just stuck in their houses with virtual reality sets and like super hyper realistic um, mm -hmm. virtual reality sets. And the only thing uh, is that as an artist working on these VR sets, you can't um, provoke or like um, the past. So you can't have narratives of the Palestinian exodus, for example, or you can't be historical or political when working on these. Um, yeah, because it's basically like, yeah, just everyone staying at home, living in these VR stuff. And it's basically like creating new worlds through them for other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it went back and forth a lot with the train at some point. But this wasn't... Yes, th this wasn't the same one with the two nations, right? Like half of it, like... You mean where they, yeah. Where I'm they, um, sure. Where they cloned the, where they cloned the, the land. So there's basically... No, I think that's a different one. Which from what I understood, like one of the characters chose to stay in the Palestinian side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but was it the same one? I, I think mm. that's the one. Yeah. I I want to say 
it's not because I thought, because N, I didn't finish. This is the only one I didn't, well, the one, I was really excited about this one, but I didn't finish mm -hmm. it. But I remember finishing the one I thought with the, with the digital, like with the two, but maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Cause that one, I, that's, I was most excited for it. And I was mm -hmm. kind of, I couldn't finish it for some reason. For some reason, it just didn't like get me in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. It was very, there's so many scenes by the sea, and and there was oh, yeah. this Article 7. No, it's this one, because here it says, like, yeah. N, the, the one that the story is named after, uh, yeah. appears into the tunnel, leading, like, the departure tunnel, not the arrival tunnel. We're only, yeah. So they transit between the two realities, basically. Um, which is the Israeli one and the Palestinian one. Yeah. Like the two lands that were cloned. Okay. Okay. So they're, both basically... they're both virtual realities or is, is one of them like an actual reality? Or both virtual? I think they're both real, no? Yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. they're both real. The, like they just cloned it. So okay. there was now like an Israeli, um, they, there was an Israeli and a Palestine, same land essentially, just like. Of course, the names are different, and people yeah. can could choose um, which side of which. Yeah, whether they want to be in Palestine or in Israel, even though they're exactly identical. And Article Seven, I think it's like basically if you were born in one of them, you can choose to go to either Israel or Palestine, but you can't go to either. So if mm -hmm. you chose the Israeli side, you can't go to the Palestinian one. Yeah. But yeah, people who are born after this reality, they can alternate between both. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think here, one thing that's that's very interesting that's pretty similar, like not as bad as what is now in Gaza, but that just like they have in Gaza, like, what, what's the limit? I think six kilometers into the sea, in theory, and three, like, in practice? I think 12 and six. Okay. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe, it's, maybe it's miles, then. Yeah. like, sea miles. Yeah, because they didn't clone the sea, they just cloned the two lands, so now you had to share the sea, basically. Yeah. Exactly, and the, the Palestinians only get 10 kilometers into the sea, but they, but it says that the others, like the other side, has ports and submarines and factories um, that burn the living and the dead in the sea. Um, and he's wondering why they, why they didn't build a second sea, why they had like built two countries. But then, yeah. They couldn't call the sea. Yeah. Okay. That's why I had I have a lot of images of like fish fishermen in my head and just generally yeah because it was a lot of narratives from the restaurant owners actually talking about it like the fishermen talking about the yeah. political situation. There was one. He's called Abu Jamal and Abu Jamal, I think, like a very typical Gaza narrative, except they're in Haifa, aren't they? In this case. That's yeah, so it's long one. <laughs> yeah. 
Because they did this sort on the platform and they did mention this virtual reality, but then they went to the cloned reality of the two places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, yeah, I think is. the son, I think, of the character, I think it's the son, um, comes back in the end with his girlfriend. Yeah, Nada. Yeah. Exactly. And they... It was like page 55, like, did I tell you that Nada wants to direct a reality? She wants to direct it in memory of her father. Yeah. Exactly, and they, they want to move to the grandfather's but she, house. Um, yeah, there was the agreement. It's very hard to read, I think, because of the way that it's written. Because mm -hmm. it's such a heavy mix of like thoughts and conversations and conversations he has with himself. Yeah. Yeah. And they have they have a lot of like a lot of this is super linguistic, which is very interesting for me, because it's the way that they that the young one keeps calling the war the revolution. Um, yeah. And it's also is very, in a lot of cases, very against keeping this trauma alive because he says it has to be overcome. Yeah. Yeah. There's so there's political correctedness and which also the shows generation. exactly because they also say instead of this very like common word for fathers, they say for parents. Mm. Just, yeah, I mean, I'm in favor of it. We can always say for parents, but I think it adds another nuance to this, to the way that they use the language here. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I read this, I was also just taking it in a very like, um, also just what's um, as a personal choice, just kind of how unfair that would be as well. Mm-hmm kind of why why does the newer generation get to alternate between both while the generations who had to live through this trauma of, yeah. yeah just get to choose one side and never talk about their their histories ever again because it's part of an agreement because it also says in the agreement it says that commemorations of a direct or symbolic like and or symbolic nature as well as celebration and or mourning are not allowed, which for me is very odd to put mourning and celebration on the same level. Because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a political sense, it makes sense, but. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just this letting go, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know, for me, it was very interesting because like things, a lot of the names that they really copied off of, off of present names, like the cultural liberation movement. Or, yeah. That, that any of the new names of martyrs, for example, can't be used. But yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. I'll have to go through it and try to reread this story again because I. Yeah. Yeah, I think me too. It's very. Oh, they also here, there's one. I didn't even really realize this. They always say Palestinian Haifa to Israeli Haifa. Mm. And for me, that one was very. Like it makes so much sense if you've if you've been there, because it really feels like even when you're just geographically walking through the street, it feels like you're going from Palestinian Haifa to Israeli Haifa. Not really. Yeah. yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But then they say Yaffa um, and Tel Aviv. Should we go to the next story? Or as you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one hits me the most. The key. The, wow. It, it was so hard. Yeah. yeah. I think I feel like it resonates so much with how I feel about, um, or how I wish I wish some people felt or something in a way. Like I just like you know like the other day I someone just started having a conversation with me. They seem, they claim they're not a Zionist, but like they were spewing a bunch of stuff. And mm -hmm. it was just like, yeah, like I want to share this story with them or something, you know, like I want them to kind of like read this and kind of experience this like surrealness of, you know, there were yeah. a lot of really perspectives in this story that I like thought they were going to be in this book. Like, um, and like I had to kind of determine which story, like who was speaking and where they were. Yeah. For me, also, it made me think while reading this book a lot of times, because I also like I have some like Israeli people that I'm talking to, but I'm not sure if you're friends really, because then normally that's very very much based on values, and we have yeah. like every time it comes to values, we have so many fights. Um. But I'm still thinking, like, it would be so interesting for them to also read these stories. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. It's very... But I think also, like, listening to the narratives make stories, like, like the, the key story, so possible. Because otherwise, like, if you don't know the narratives... Yeah. I don't know. I'd love to, like, some of the, some of the authors... I'd love to know how they got to write these stories. Like what actually got them there. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I understood, they're like, they were asked to write a short story. Yeah. 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 No, I mean like to the specific point, not only of being asked, but how they got to write this very specific short story. Yeah. Like. Like with this guy, for example, how he he chose to write specifically like from an Israeli perspective, not yeah, yeah. Palestinian perspective. That was really shocking for me in a way. Like I was surprised how many Israeli perspectives were in the short story. Yeah. But actually, I mean, I'm not. Like, I mean, I was a little bit, but then it makes sense. I mean, like, why wouldn't there be, you know? Yeah. It's almost like they're haunting characters. 
like they're always there you can't just be palestinian yeah. <laughs> there always has yeah. to be yeah no, for sure. because especially when you're if you have like part of your education or even if you live abroad you're asked so often to consider the other narrative like the other perspective so yeah. i think you kind of internalize it also in a way yeah i think it's it's also like a, it's a big task also from the diaspora to treat the topics responsibly Because what I heard from a lot of my friends, also from Nablus, like when we hang out there, that a lot of people come with this completely like dreamlike version of Palestine, where they just look at everything, even that's because I mean, even in the book, there's a lot of references to like internal politics and the way the PA works and the way that that the politicians interact with society and like society also with itself. And that a lot of people, also friends of mine who go there and love everything and just have this, yeah, I don't know, very, like very little criticism actually of things that are also from inside that I think like there needs to be solidarity also with like other repressed groups inside, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Which one was that actually? There was this one thing, the... Oh, also that was super interesting going back to the first story with the right of digital return, but for all. So everyone would be like combined in this place when they're also talking about how, like how it functions or how it actually doesn't function. Everyone is just imagining how well it functions because they're all coming from such different realities and backgrounds, like the Lebanese refugees and then the ones that went to Syria and other places. And all of a sudden they're all back together in one place. Yeah. I think. It's really almost impossible to like imagine the Palestine anymore because yeah. I feel like it's just like this, this thing that's very internalized and I think it's just going to always be an idea yeah yeah but I think that's the that's the most interesting part of this idea and then how because the moment we we realize that it's mostly the idea by now we're so much freer with like reimagining it <laughs> and reframing it but then as long as it, it's still treated like this fixed concept that it won't be in the same way ever it's not it's not as free like there are not as many possibilities i think so yeah we're basically halfway through we can also go through the the second half like in another session as you want mm-hmm. Because we have the we have personal hero left still to discuss. We have digital nation. Digital nation. Mm-hmm. Wait, which one's vengeance? Oh, okay. Vengeance is the one with the cyborgs, right? The. <laughs> is that the one with the masks? Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that one's dog cyborg. <laughs> but that's going to be so interesting with the mask, also considering now, like, the situation and that there's masks and who can wear what mask and who can even go out still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, that was so, that was a sad story, too. Yeah. Because he was ultimately just trying to help him. And yeah. he just didn't know, and he was trying to, man. But I think that's also one of these things of like, in a way, the separating each other, but also with, yeah, with everyone striving like with within a more or less like capitalist system for their own benefit only. That it's not only this divide from outside, but also divide and suspicion from inside. Yeah. Ah, it's so many like I think so many good ones that are left that with the next books like some people messaged me personally saying that they didn't read this book so far so they'll join in the future but like not for this one so <laughs> yeah we'll see cool. okay cool. then it was very nice to talk to you too yeah See you. Everybody. See you next week. Yes. See you next week. Right. Ciao. Ciao. Bye.